if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 213. We are covering the Memorial Tournament on the PGA Tour and the Porsche European Open on the DP World Tour. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamber, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews. We have previews for both events this week. Tournament strokes gained statistics. Got some amazingly. I can't believe they're free, Paul. That free strokes gained stats for the Memorial going back to 2016. Tournament form statistics. Form charts including combined course plus current form and our predictive models. They're all completely free of charge. Like this podcast with no paywall. We're available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Ben. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. This podcast every week is available on the YouTube channel. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're getting a good trickle at the moment, so thank you to all of you. We will get round to them. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them at the start of a future show, leave your name and where you are in the review. This one's short and sweet, guys. Got to say it. Great pod, five stars. Love the information. Look forward to the commute on a Wednesday. All but that terrible intro song. And that's from Shake Tommy. He's in the Republic of Ireland. He doesn't like the intro song. Oh, that's, a, that's an odd one because we've had a lot of positive feedback from uh, from listeners over the uh, over the intro Jingle that Sam uh, Sam Harrop put together for us. Do 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 do. It's good, eh? What's wrong? How, how can that be a bad song? But if everybody in the world liked the same music, that'd be kind of boring. So true. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's he into, maybe he's into Slipknot or something. We could have a rock <laughs> one. You could have maybe. one, a different one each week. Kind of. Anyway, we won't go down that route. <laughs> Now, what did I notice the other day? It was yesterday, actually. I noticed on Spotify, we are just a snidge below 205 stars. And I know for a fact, just looking at our analytics now, we're getting over 20% of our listeners on Spotify, which you compare that to two years ago, you were probably getting sub 3 4% and everything that were dominated by Apple and iTunes. So if you are one of the growing Spotify listeners... All you have to do, it's so simple, there's just a five-star button. All you have to do is press it, and that then sends the message to Spotify that you're giving this podcast a five-star rating. So if we could get across the 200 barrier, that'd be absolutely fantastic. So uh, there's, there's a little task for you listeners. I'm sure that you can help out with that. Right, 
We had um, two decent tournaments last week. To be fair, it's a good stretch of golf, isn't it? You've got uh, PGA Championship. Then we've got Colonial, and we had the Dutch Open. And then this week, the Porsche, the Porsche European Open. And we've got the Memorial Tournament, which is, for me, it always used to be the biggest tournament outside the, outside the players and the majors. But you could probably argue now that the Genesis at Riviera's probably took that mantle, Tiger's tournament. But this is Jack's tournament this week. Um, but last week, um, I managed to sneak two in the top seven with Spieth and Nar. So can't be too non-compliant with that, really. Um, it could have been better. They both bogeyed the last, but I think most people were. Sam Burns, I mean, where did that come from? He was seven back going into Sunday. Yeah. And there aren't many records where you see winners from seven back on P- on the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour to that. To that um, just played golf from the gods on a very windy Texas Sunday at Colonial. Impressive. Yeah. That's four wins now for Sam Burns. Up to the uh, inside the top ten of the world rankings as well. Yeah. His first first on bent grass, according to my records. But you look at where he wins. uh, You definitely see a pattern with Burns in terms of his victories. Twice at Tampa, the Copperhead. Now at Colonial. He's one of these guys that loves a tree-lined... A fair kind of medium length, not short. That kind of seven thousand two hundred seven three thousand past seventy or past seventy one. I think we're just waiting with Burns, aren't we, to see him start to take that across to major championships. Yeah, because he's clearly of that vintage. In a lot of the stuff I read from you know from writers and the like and and sages over in the US say that this guy is going to be a winning machine. I've never picked one of his wins, <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's, that's no, my record on Sam Burns. As you say, with, with four wins and inside the world top ten, you, you can't ignore him. He's um, yeah. he's a player that's got to be considered for for big events and, and major championships in the future. He's certainly in the President's Cup this year. There's no yeah. doubt about that. So he's in there with Scotty. And there you go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Head to head with the world number one. Yep. It's funny, isn't it? You, you look at me. I had uh, Mito and Wills Alatoris at the Byron Nelson. They then contended for the PGA. And then at, last, then at the PGA, I had Scotty Scheffler. He missed the cut. And then he then contends the week after at uh, <laughs> Colonial. It's, it's quality stuff. So who did I tip up last week? They're clearly going to be right in the mix this week. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be Kevin Nahr. Kevin Nahr. Or, or Jordan Spieth or someone like that. What happened What happened on yours, Paul, with the Dutch Open? I know you got a good place with Soderberg, which was decent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of incidental, I guess, to the drama that unfolded at the end. But yeah, so, Soderberg got a tie for fifth in the end, which um, 150 to one was... Um, was uh, yeah quite pleasing. Uh, it could have been better had Matt Wallace not got up and down on the final hole. Um, it would have been solo fifth if uh, if, if Matt had uh, managed to bogey the final one, but he didn't. But yeah, at the top, Ryan Fox had the event right in his grasp a number of times. He traded super low a, a number of times on the back nine and then, then double bogeyed the par five, a 72nd hole, 
which ultimately let Victor Perez into the um, into the playoff, and then Perez just went bananas with the putter. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the the length of putts that he made over the playoff mm-hmm. holes, but uh, it was just incredible. And uh, you know there were plenty of Ryan Fox backers um, out there, and plenty on Twitter who absolutely inconsolable that that he's managed to to not win that event from the various positions that he's found himself in, but. Yeah, Perez's putter just absolutely caught fire over. He, he made one on what was it, the seventeenth, the par par three, which was from kind of thirty, thirty-five feet, that kind of distance, um, which ultimately got him into the playoff. And then, yeah, from there it was, uh, it was a clinic, very impressive. I saw people a while ago lamenting Victor's short game, not good apparently. Well, and then I think I I saw his numbers this week. He was like third for strokes gained uh, around the green or something. Yeah, and his his putter just went mental. (laughs) Yeah, that that style of golf course seem feels like it's more suited to his game. That little bit of kind of linksy vibe or Heathland vibe. Yeah, 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 he he gained five shots off the tee, three on approach. Five and a half around the green. And when you check his record, Sudal Open, minus 1.1 around the green, minus three around the green, minus 3.3 around the green, minus two and a half around the green at uh, in Spain at the ISPS Handa. So, yeah, all of a sudden, that switches to 5.6 gained around the green in the Dutch Open. Yeah. First for team. I wonder with the shaved runoffs, was he using his putter a bit or was he able to use bump and runs a bit more? Might be, yeah, might feel I, a bit more comfortable. I think he does, you know, given that he won the um, the Dunhill Links as well, I guess, you know, mm. going back to your point, he's kind of more comfortable in that kind of setup. And um, yeah, it was, you know, again, in the preview that I put last week, I kind of alluded to the to the style of course, the Linksy kind of um, setup, um, Heathland as you describe it. And um, yeah, it's, you know, he managed to find his way through to win that title, but in reality, that was Ryan Fox's to to lose, which he sadly did. If you'd backed him, it would have been very painful. But yes, that's your that's your mo, genuine, isn't it? You'd be on Ryan Fox, or I'd <laughs> yeah, be on Ryan Fox. Yeah, come second. And, uh, yeah, and the tail of woe. Having seen him do that, but yeah, he, he, he did play like a player that I had the weight of my money on his shoulders. I must say. <laughs> so you can't blame Paul listeners for that particular one <laughs> right we've got lots and lots of golf to talk through this week so I was thinking Paul I'm going to head off with the memorial first because it is a rather large tournament and then we'll come yep. on to yours uh, second if you don't Definitely. mind uh, let's talk bookmakers as ever Boyle Sports 10 places each way this week I actually managed to get one of my tips on with Boyle Sports, maximising the amount of places on an each-way bet this week. So uh, we'll go into... When when I say the name later, everyone will nod their head and go, yeah, I can see why you've done that, Steve. Uh, So 10 places each way are 50 odds with Boyle Sports on the PGO Tour this week. They're the only firm doing that. And let's also talk through 10 bet. We mentioned them uh, last week. We mentioned them a couple of weeks now. We've noted them for offering... Standout prices on popular players with market-leading odds, which you take at five places each way at a court of the odds terms. Now, as we record this podcast on Tuesday morning over here in the UK, 
They are offering market best, I should say UK and Ireland, Barry, so apologies for that. Uh, they're offering market best 22 to 1 on Cameron Smith, 40 to 1 on Cameron Young, 45 to 1 on Wacky Neiman. You've got 60 to 1 on Davis Riley, Daniel Berger at 60 to 1. That's been a while. And 60 to 1 on Corey Connors. 66 to 1 on Paul's favourite player, Patrick Reed, plus 80 to 1 on Aaron Rise and Captain Chris Kirk. Now, as an example, Cam Young is 40 to 1 with 10 bet right now, and as short as 28 to 1 with Paddy Power. Or Cam Davis. Now, I had a really close look at Cam Davis this week. He's starting to play some really nice golf, the Australian. He is 175 to 1 right now with 10 bet. And as short as 90 to 1 with Coral. This is what we're saying. Just outlandish prices on, on, on players. So, new 10-bet customers get a 50% welcome bonus up to £50 when signing up through Golf Betting System. You can find details about their new customer promotion plus a link through to, the very, to that very offer plus T's and C's in the podcast description. So yeah, I, I, that's I mean, ninety to one on Cam Davis or one hundred and seventy-five to one with Ten Bet. Mm. Uh, that's a huge gap. Yep. And I know you're getting eight places with Coral and five places with Cam Davis, but this is it. If you are the, the you are a person that just wants to maximise the very best price, I think you've got to have a Ten Bet account these days. I really do. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to the Memorial. It's one of my particular highlights. I do like this tournament. I call this, Barry, the Cathedral of Ball Striking. Because that's the way it tends to work out. I mean, you've only John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau. These are recent winners here. Guys that can really hit it away. To be fair, it's pretty much the elite golfer, isn't it? Players that can hit it long, hit it fairly straight, high GIR, great ball striking from distance into into relatively small greens bent grass greens as well so yeah I do like this tournament and of course it's Jack's tournament so how can you not like a tournament that's uh, that's organised and run on, on Jack's signature golf course Muirfield Village Country Club um, I've got no idea what happened in the US Open qualifiers yesterday so I've kind of I know in in, few, in previous years I've got really hung up on oh what happened in the US Open qualifiers and this player and I've just completely given it a miss this year just concentrated on players that I wanted to actually uh, tip up um, the golf course here it's an original Nicholas seventy four design as we saw though after the twenty twenty Memorial where Jack really had a laugh and didn't walk the greens and um, it was firm and fiery and the whole PGA Tour were moaning like sin that it was a disgraceful golf course. And he said, well, what do you expect? We're ripping it up. They were literally ripping up the fairways, weren't they, as the last group were were moving down them. Mm. Um, We saw the new course last year, or the renovated course. It's a 7,533-yard par 72, so it it was extended. Holes with water hazards, 13. So, yeah, T2, T2 Tony isn't in attendance this week. Uh, greens are bent grass. 
We've also got Kentucky bluegrass mixed with ryegrass and fescue rough, and it's it's chunky. Um, it's four inches thick. Um, we're playing pretty much for the first time, I'd suggest, in the northern United States. We're in Ohio this week on the PGA Tour. I think the highest we've been so far was Maryland around Washington, D.C. We've, we've jumped up another notch in terms of... Uh, location so we're genuinely up into the upstate united states now five thousand square feet bent grass greens um, the average score here last year was 72.97 so it actually played 10th most difficult of 51 courses on the tour let's talk you through the winners here shall we oh also another thing of note quite wide fairways here 300 yards, they tend to be 28 yards in width. And also, if you can get it right out there, say 350, they're 27 yards wide, which across the PGA Tour is pretty wide. Um, I'd say standard to just slightly above standard in terms of fairway width. It's a typical Jack Nicklaus design. It gets trickier and trickier the closer you get to the hole. Um, Southern Hills-esque in that kind of regard, I would suggest. Let's take you through some winners here. Patrick Cantley won last year at 13 under. As we know, John Rahm was the 54-hole leader. He was 18 under par at the time, six clear. Got hauled off the course, told that he'd failed a COVID test. John Rahm was defending his title last year from his 2020 victory. Cat. Cantley won in 19. I was on board Cantley this year, that year. I was also on board Bryson DeChambeau in 2018. So Cantley, Ram, Cantley, DeChambeau, the last four winners that could and should probably read Ram, Ram, Cantley, DeChambeau. Yeah. Uh, world golf ranking of winners. Something I've started to note in the preview. 15th Cantley in the world. Ram was second. Cantley was 15th in 2019, uncanny. And Bryson DeChambeau was 38th in 2018. Winning scores, 13 under, 9 under. 19 under for Cantley, which was a particularly soft year. 15 under. And as you guys know and listeners know, I do love winning prices. And this, to me, is one of those events which is right in the wheelhouse. It's this kind of juicy mid-price. Cantley, 22 to 1. Rahm, 22 to 1. Cantlay, 18 to 1. DeChambeau, 50 to 1. That's the last four renewals. 50, 18, 22, 22. It gets a bit, a bit weird from that point. Duffner was 66s. McGirt, William McGirt, can you imagine? 200 to 1. And then David Lingmuth, that was wild and wacky. David Lingmuth, a real Jack Nicholas specialist, 500 to 1 in 2015. Mm. Uh, either side of those crazy wins, Matsuama 66s. That was Matsuama's first win on the PGO Tour. He had been the 54-hole leader at Colonial the week before. 66s, Kuchar 22s, and then we go into Tiger Woods territories. Um, since 2010, the overall average winning price here, which is horribly screwed by David Lingmuth, is 91 to 1. But, you know... I'm literally just fishing. I'm I'm fishing between 55s and 25 to 1 this week. 
that 25 to 1 wasn't a deliberate. It was just the first player I liked that was outside of Rory, who is so obvious, and John Rahm, who is so obvious. I can see the um, I can see the liking for McElroy this week. If you look at his CV, this is the one. Well, there's two, isn't there? This tournament here and the one at Riviera are the two he hasn't got on his resume. And I would have thought shaking Jack's hand is something that he will want to have done before um, he finishes and hangs up his uh, his club. Yeah, yeah, and the, the, the core suits, doesn't it? You'd you'd imagine that over over the years, at some point, he'll get himself an opportunity, which gives him a, a chance of winning this one. Well, you say it suits, and then I and then I've I've noticed this. This these are from his word. This this is from his mouth last year. No, mm. it's the redesign of the holes, especially the par five fifth green. I went for it today and hit a pretty good shot. But even I, uh, even though I hit a great shot over the pin into the back bunker, I mean, you would rather be ninety yards away hitting a sort of nice wedge shot in there than going for the green. He's basically saying that the new redesign, I think what's happened here is everyone is just now playing from the same spot with their second shot. So it's really become not an easy driving golf course by any means, but everyone is hitting it from the same spot. Yeah, That to me came across as a bit of a negative with McElroy, i.e. saying that they've made the course... To a certain where he can't use his advantages, is his point there, right? So this is where it gets narrower and narrower towards the green. So the players are having to lay back a bit, and everyone's ending up in the same vicinity, playing the same kind of shot into the, well, yeah. the greens. One of the a lot of the a lot a number of the holes have been squeezed in terms of their fairway length as you get close to the green. Yeah, and when you're dealing with four inch rough, I think that means a lot, even to these bombers, mm. because you're then attacking five thousand square feet bent grass greens that are very contoured with ledges and distinct targets. That out of four inch rough, you haven't got that level of control. So I don't know. I mean, that was the first time they played it last year. And it was particularly soft on rounds one and two. Um, I noticed also last year there was a bit of moaning going on about the par fives. Oh, we can't go for them in, in, in two, this, that and the other. And, and by the final round, they were bringing the tees forward. So I think one of them played as like a 505-yard par five where it should have been closer to 550. Yeah. The PGA Tour are manipulating things <laughs> as they do. Yeah. And you'd, you'd expect, you know, on, on a Saturday potentially they bring a few forward to, to give players a chance of making a move. Um, we'll see how they set it up this year, this 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 week. Um, see if they've taken any of that feedback on board, and um, it should be a bit firmer this year by by the sounds of it as well. Have you heard any rumblings about uh, minor tweaks to the course since last year? I haven't read or seen anything about that. There might be. They have like taken. I mean, this is really ainly retentive, but they have taken 10 yards off the scorecard and they've taken that off a par five. Yeah, that wouldn't be a shock after quite a large redesign to go make a few tweaks year, you know, the year, no. for the year after. Mm. So, 
I suppose what we got what we got to bear in mind last year, of course, you got the usual situation where he effectively scrapped eighteen greens and redid the full the full set. So you had greens there last year that weren't bedded in properly. So I expect you probably find the greens are a tiny bit more receptive this year. Unless Jack's just going to play his usual game of I want this to play as, as a major and the guys are just going to have to get on with it. Because <laughs> <that's, laughs> this is one of those tournaments where they're unlikely to have the fire hoses in Barry from the uh, from the Dublin, Ohio uh, local fire brigade. That's not okay, Jack's style, is it? He doesn't want no. 20 under winning his tournament. He wants five. He wants six or seven winning it. Mm. Hence, hence a lot of bitching. And that, that's hilarious because there should be a few little tests like this because when you look at, um, say, Southern Hills there a couple of weeks ago, these guys just could not. They're just gone because they're not used to practicing that like all-round difficulty throughout the entire course. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get that challenge very regularly on tour. And so when it finally pops up, it's like, how do you switch your mindset into that very quickly? And I guess it's the guys who can adapt quickly to that great they, they go ahead and do well but there's not an awful lot of chances to practice that all-round mega test of your game well if you want to win a major championship shooting 28 under around uh, tpc craig ranch isn't really the ideal build-up is it probably and i don't not. i don't see kh lee winning majors he's, he's good around tpc craig ranch though <laughs> so yeah it's all it's, i don't i we shouldn't go down this track. We, we, we won't turn this into a let's no. lament the PGA Tour and its uh, golf courses uh, um, podcast. One thing I will say, this this course last year did receive quite a chunk of water. It, it received quite a chunk of rain. But I think because it's now sub-air all around and because those greens were new, those green surfaces were new, it never really, even the fairways, they just never really played that soft. It, it, the, even the fairways have plenty of roll on them. So uh, the, the the good thing on um, Jack's side this year, this isn't going to be like Colonial last week, where it was almost a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. So he hasn't got to he hasn't got to water these greens if he doesn't want to. No, I'm talking about seriously water them, not just give them a little a little tinkle in the morning. So I think it's going to play a little bit on the firm side. There is a um, 50% chance of rain on the Wednesday. But like I said, I don't overly think that's going to affect this course from what we saw last year, if it does. It received uh, 40 millimetre of rain. And it also received 23 millimetre in round one when they had to suspend it for thunderstorms. And it never really played that well. It never played that so last year. Mm. So I reckon it's going to be the standard. I, I reckon... I would not be surprised to see a kind of 13, 14 under win it. They get, people are going to have to work for their money. This, this They're going to have to work to shake Jack's hand, I think, which is what we want to see. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that's what he wants to see as well, as you said. He does tend to... Um, <laughs> he does tend to rule the roost at his own tournament, which uh, is, a, is a damn good thing. Right. Um... As you would expect, it's a decent field. Um, Rahman McElroy lead it. Cantley, the defending champion. Then we've got a group of Spieth. Morikawa, he, he doesn't seem to be at it at the moment. Morikawa, he's 22 to 1 with Spieth this uh, week. He'll also 22 to 1. You won't be surprised to hear. Cam Smith and our old friend Xander. Xander is still a 22 to 1 chance. Shane Lowry, 25s. 
Victor Hovland, 25. Matsuama, 28. Zalatoris, 30. Fitzpatrick's being backed off the board. Um, I'm seeing him at 28 to 1 with William Hill. And then it's 40 to 1 bar with Max Homer, Cam Young. Um, the thing I noted about this, we have had tournament after tournament after tournament after tournament of wind-affected golf. We're not going to see that this week. It looks really, really calm. Nothing more than a 15 mile an hour gust on Thursday. And from that point onwards, it's just 10 mile an hour and sub 10 across the weekend. And if I if I look at what I want around here, I want guys that can hit the ball long, straight, total driving, high GIR. It's a ball striker's paradise for me. And when I look at DeChambeau, when I look at Cantlay, even John Rahm to an extent, because John Rahm hadn't won a solo tournament on the PGA Tour for two years, and one of those had been the Humana Challenge. Not exactly elite-level PGA Tour events. I just thought Victor Hovland this week was a cracking bet at 25-1. to Because if you, if you said to me, you're sitting over a pint in the pub, you know, tell me a player you think's got the perfect game for Muirfield Village in calm conditions, I'd say Victor Hovland. So yeah, I'm on. Victor, 25-1 to 1 I managed to get yesterday on Victor. With William Hill, I believe. Yeah. So I'm two and a half points each one, 25 to one with Victor with Victor Hovland. The tell you the thing that I noted last week at Colonial, in the top four for strokes gained off the tee, I think he was in the top three or four for total driving. And he was also in the top ten for strokes gained putting. I just thought to myself, if he could sort out his approach play, which I still I still am a believer with Victor, I still don't think he's a top level. When that starts to blow hard, and we saw it at Bay Hill, because a short game is a weakness for him, I still think on a tournament where you're struggling to hit the amount of greens that he likes to hit, he's, he struggles. I think somewhere here that's going to be relatively calm, no wind, and I think, I think Victor can all of a sudden jump himself to the front. Um, I know for a fact that on that quiet day at Colonial um, Friday, there was very little wind. Victor Hovland shot the tied third best score at Colonial last week in the calm weather, 65-5 under. Only Danny Lee and Scott Stalling shot a lower round of six under on the Friday. So he's, he's in decent nick. And then, of course, the 35-mile-an-hour winds come across the weekend and he just starts to slowly disappear down the leaderboard. But I, I, I'm on Hovland, 25-1. to 1. I, I, I can't remember the last time in a non-major I've seen Victor at 25-1. to 1. So, yeah, I'm on. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I guess logically the the style of style of course works it, as it does for a lot of the players at towards the top. You could you could make a make a case for quite a few of them um, around that kind of level. Um, the one I like at that kind of price point, Shane Lowry, and I, I'm not quite ready to drop Shane from my my list just yet. And I think you know, probably not a massively dissimilar 
um, justification really. Except you know, I think you know when it comes to it, he's probably got the the short game and uh, well, potentially the putting to 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 make um to make inroads at the top of the leaderboard. But if you you look at Shane, what third at the Masters, third at the Heritage, second at the Honda before that, wasn't he? Sixth here last year. Um, that was his personal best on this course. Um, and Shane knows he's playing some really good stuff. I think he just needs it to all to click together one week and, and away you go. And yeah, I, this kind of feels the right kind of right kind of test for me, I must say. You're on Shane this week, Barry. Yeah, I, I it feels like it feels like it has to pop sooner or later. Like the win mm. has to come or else he gets a small fall off in the form. Yeah. Um, and that's not wishing it on him at all. Like it's just, you know, these hot streaks of form, they don't last forever. So you kind of want to see him capitalize and get that win. He, you feel like he almost deserves at this stage for his great play. Yep. Yeah, he's close, isn't he? Really close. But yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to give him another go. But yeah, I I don't know. There's, there's there's quite a few around that kind of price point that you could make a very similar case for, isn't there? Yeah. Like Xanders or. Mm. It's, that, it's that kind of tournament, mate. It, the, yeah. This is this is this is the sweet shop, right? In it from Cam Smith. Or Morikawa. I mean, you can make cases for all of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, and Smith's a funny one, isn't he? Because his performance at Southern Hills from tee to green was um, incredible. Mm. You know, not it wasn't Cam Smith-like. And he was, well, by Cam Smith's standards, he was awful on the greens. You know, he's, he's normally absolutely dynamite on the greens. And he was missing all sorts. Um, you know, if he takes that ball-striking uh, tee to green game into this week, then... Who knows? He could he could absolutely lap the field. Yet he's got an awful record here. You know, I, I don't. It, it, you look at it one side, and you you know, it's a massive tick in the box. And then uh, there's there's enough to put you off if you look the other way. But if Cam Smith puts that all together and putts well this week, then he could be and you know absolutely streets ahead of many of the players here. Tough one. In the same region, I've plumped for Willie Z. Feast or famine, Wills Alatoris. Mm. Now, Barry, are you on Will Z this week? I, I've I just threw a few on the exchange, got him a thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, you did. And we'll yeah. Ju- of course, I did. But we've been talking about him and another who will come up on the pod shortly uh, for the last couple of weeks. Just they just pop into mind when the tournament and the players and the form they're in align, and you kind of. Mm. Rather than ignoring that pre-chat, it's just like, okay, just had a quick look last night, grabbed a couple of exchange prices, and I'll, I'll figure out what sort of what I want to do with the bookies um, as the offers develop. Yeah. The sort, the definite sort that wins this. And again, if we're talking about narratives and big wins, clearly he hasn't won a PJ Tour event, and he's come... Close at Torrey Pines to his first victory. I mean, he came very, very close to winning the PGA. I think last week he was always going to blow out. Uh, it's just a case of whether he can get his head straight together this week and get back on it. And the guy's playing so well. And also, you know, I don't... You know, this is just... The, it's the perfect kind of golf course. It's the perfect kind of major test. The kind of scoring that doesn't put... Too much emphasis on the putter. I think this is an interesting statistic. You know, we talk about strokes gained and what champions have done here in the past. 
Strokes going tee to green of the previous uh, six winners here, going back to Will McGurk. Strokes going tee to green fourth. The highest number within that is strokes going to approach ninth in the field. Strokes going putting 21st. Now, Colonial, that strokes going putting number last week of the previous champions was, I think it was seventh or sixth in the field. That's what they needed to do to win the title. And that doesn't shout Will Zalatoris when you're having to be in the top six in the field for putting. Uh, I'm just checking what um, Sam Burns did. Oh, yeah, Sam Burns last week at Colonial was sixth for strokes game, strokes game putting on the week. So Colonial, you've got to putt well. Here, you can be team no putt. Uh, Cantley was 20th for strokes game putting. John Rahm in 2020 was 28th. So you can literally excel around here, tee to green. And putt, kind of neutral, and you can win. That just screams Will Zalatoris. Screams it from the rooftops for me. Um, I was just going to check something. Um, I'm, I'm typically very poorly. Um, he missed the cut last week. Yeah, we all know that. But one thing that I did grab from his performance with the 36 holes that he played he was hitting tons and tons and tons of fairways and averaging 315 off the tee. So if there'd have been a total driving number for Will Zalatoris, despite him missing the cut, it would have been very, very strong last week at Colonial. Which I think is a, go, it's a green light for me, because if Will Z is hitting the ball well off the tee and relatively straight, the rest of it should just follow, mm. because he's such a great approach player. Um, I've got Zalatoris, and I've also, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're looking for hot hands, none, none of this is, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, chaps. I've gone for Cameron Young at 33-1, to 1, eight places each way with William Hill. And I've on, also gone for Mito, Mito Barea, 45-1, to 1, again, eight places each way with William Hill. I mean, if you're looking for hot hands, Zalatoris, Cam Young, Mito Perea. I just think this course is going to suit all of them, and I'd hope that one of them at least gets very close to contention. I mean, Mito's tee to green game right now is amazing. The other thing with Mito, you just look at where he's done well. Uh, fifth at the Barbasol, King Trace, Bentgrass Greens. Sixth at the 3M Open last year, Bentgrass Greens. Fortinet Championship, he was third. We were on board at 50 to 1 that week, Bent Power Greens. Southern Hills, Bentgrass Greens. Last week, seventh at Colonial. I mean, that that to me shows something about Mito Perea. Makes makes double to miss winning a major championship, and then the week after finishes seventh. Yeah, yeah, a lot a lot of people. That's impressive. Took the it? week off, didn't they? Yeah, you know, that's a lot, impressive. Lot of, yeah, a lot of them were missing the cut. Um, I saw grumblings about players missing the cut on purpose in inverted commas. Because um, they'd uh, yeah, wanted a bit of a break, but um, I'm not, not entirely sure that's the case. But uh, but yeah, no, it, it was uh, impressive to bounce back and uh, be on the fringes last week. Cam Young, I mean, if Cam Young isn't rookie of the year, I don't know who he is. I know Davis Riley's been playing well, but second at Riviera Country Club, second at Riv in the strongest non-major of the year, apart from the players. So you know, domestic PJ Tour, third at Harbour Town, second at Pot- uh, Potomac, and third at the PJ Championship. I mean, there's a mixture of lengths there. There's a mixture of courses, mixture of styles. He just seems to be able to do everything. And by God, can the can the guy drive a golf ball? Amazing driver of the golf ball. 
I'll tell you the things that really I noted about him, though, and this might be something that's not out there in the ether. On his corn ferry um, last uh, last two years, 2020 nationwide, he, he finished second at the Ohio State University Golf Club, which is 11 miles down the road from where they're playing this week. He finished second at the 2020 Nationwide Children's Hospitals, which I think is always their toughest tournament of the year in terms of the... It's a lovely classical-style golf course, bent grass greens. And then his two wins, one was in Missouri, and then the week after he won in Illinois, both on bent grass greens last year. So, yeah, in that mid-pack, I've gone Young, Zalatoris, and I've gone Mito Perea. And then I just couldn't resist it. Couldn't resist it. 55 to 1, 10 places each way with Boyle Sports. Keegan Bradley. Let's take each and every one of those each way spots we can get on Keegan. But you can't argue the guy's playing phenomenal golf. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal golf, Keegan Bradley. Back in the world's top 50. I can't guarantee that the old knees won't start knocking on a Sunday afternoon. But if, I, if I'm on him at 10 places each way, at least I'm minimising the chance of him completely destroying the bet. In a 54-hole tournament, who do you take? Fitzpatrick or Bradley? Because you, neither, of them, neither of them inspire massive confidence on a Sunday. Do you, do you tell him it's a 54 before the start? No, 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 no. That's the <laughs> trick. <laughs> Matthew Fitzpatrick is 16 to 1 right now with Unibet. 16 to 1 with Unibet in this. That is just a mad price. I don't get that, but anyway. I mean, the guy's clearly playing golf, but yes, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be a playoff between Bradley and Fitzpatrick this week. <laughs> Keegan will be three Keegan will be three clear on the 18th tee. <laughs> Fitzpatrick's in the clubhouse. <laughs> Keegan makes treble. They go into a playoff. Yeah, that lasts for three hours. Yeah, right. That's those are my tips. So Bradley, Perea, Young, Zalatoris, Victor Hovland. Um, go for your guns. Other other players that you guys are going to be going with this week. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got two others. Um, I I just wonder with the forecast being as placid as it is, whether they'll allow the greens to get nice and firm and whether that will create the challenge on and around the greens this week. Um, and to that end, I've taken a couple of players that kind of fly in the face of the kind of the mould here. Um, firstly, I've picked Patrick Reed, um, Seventh last week. 15th, actually, for strokes gain approach, strokes gain tee to green last week. So his long game was... Um, pretty good for Patrick Reed's standards. If you look, he's never missed a cut here. He's played, what, seven, eight times, something like that. He's never missed a cut. Three top tens over his last two starts here, 10th and 5th. So he likes the course. And I think if it does get nice and firm on the greens, then that's absolutely in Patrick Reed's wheelhouse. I think he's, he's great on and around the greens when it's in that kind of condition. Um, and you know, if, if it is like that, then expect the winning score to be, as you said, you know, d- double figures is going to be right in the mix if you're in and around that kind of number under par. So, um, but yeah, I, I I kind of broke the mould here and went with um, William Hill eight places each way at fifty to one rather than snapping the sixty six to one with uh, with ten bet. Um, it's not like five you. places. Well, no, the the logic this time there wasn't too much of a differential in my view. The logic really is that there's so many good players in this field 
um, that you you know the, the chances of you getting um, none of those players in the top five and you know, you know yeah. causing a chop or whatever to each way places. I think um, I think the prudent play this week is probably to take the places if you can um, for listeners in a with a sh- fashion. With listeners with a short memory, because we might have we get people here that are only into golf betting and they'll go and Patrick Reed. How the hell is he tipping up Patrick Reed? Patrick Reed is a Beth Page Black, Augusta National, and Torrey Pines winner, so he can play long classical golf courses no problem at all. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And that that this this, this fifty to one or thereabouts price point is absolutely where he wins in elite elite quality fields. It's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. And I've gone for Keegan Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> I think, zero, zero, zero. I think he, he looks at these kind of challenges and thinks, well, I'm playing some great stuff. Um, I like the course. I'm just going to go and win. And win he yeah. often does. He needs a win to get into President's Cups and the likes. So, yeah. He, he, yes. he does like a 55 to 1, 50 to 1 victory, as we've discussed for many years on this pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's worth an each way pun. I've also taken Lucas Herbert, 150 to 1 again with eight places. And if you look at Herbert, similar kind of style, I guess, to, to read in that respect. Um, he won the Irish Open in July over on the DP World Tour, won the Bermuda Championship in October. So he's got a couple of wins in the last 12 months. Some recent form, or recent enough form as well, 7th at the Arnold Palmer, 13th at the uh, USPGA a couple of weeks back as well, 18th here last year. And he came into the last year in far, far worse form. Now, again, I think it's likely to be the putter that is going to be the, the key to Lucas Herbert contending this week. But if you look at some of his recent outings, he was first for putting at Bay Hill. He was first putting as well at that PGA Championship at Southern Hills. And um, if if it does end up being, if you do end up with some players that are um, you know, more short game or more putting, um, than long game in the mix this week, then the likes of Herbert, the likes of Reed, the likes of Cam Smith potentially are going to be um, the ones that I would be erring towards personally. But yeah, that's 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 me, Herbert Reed, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, Shane Lowry. For my three. that's a lo- that's a lovely long shot. It's, Herbert, I, I was surprised at the price. Yeah, Get- that's well worked out. I, could, I think you could make a case for her, but I still think yeah, Cam Davis and other those those two talented young Australians. Yeah. I could see both of them getting close to the mix. I think Cam Davis yeah. is in for a nice summer, from what I'm seeing with his numbers. And he won. Um, he's, it's no surprise because he's going to be defending the Rocket Mortgage in a few weeks' time. So you often see these players start to get it together, building up to their defence. What about you, Barry? Yeah. Any any more? Would you work? Just a question, Davis. Would you worry that he hasn't made the cut here in his three attempts? Oh, potentially, yeah. What price is he? He's big, he's big, isn't he? I don't think he'd played particularly well at Colonial last week, and he was always on the fringes of that top 10. He is available anywhere from 90 to 1 right through to 175 to 1 with 10 bet. Exactly. I noted last week with Cam Davis, that was his first, what I classify as technical scoring top 10 in the PGA Tour. So where the where the scoring was really, really difficult. So that shows you that potentially a game that's slightly developing. So yeah, I don't. I think there's worse um, each way bets out there. Have you got another, have you gone for Cam Young, Barry? Because you, you told me weeks ago you're going to have him as well. Yeah, yeah, I've t- taken Young. 
Yeah. So, yeah, it, th- these are the two. Zal Taurus and Young were the ones that really were kind of popping in our in our minds, and so I stuck with those. Yeah, and I've added Seamus Power as well. Playing some great stuff. Mm. Playing some really good stuff. I think people get he gets typecast, doesn't he, Seamus Power, that he can only win twenty five under golf tournaments. You know, he's a bit of a he's a bit a bit of a result golf course specialist, which he is. But when you fight finishing ninth at um, Southern Hills and your first major top ten on your last outing. Tends to suggest that he's maturing into something that's likely to be a bit better than just a resort course bully. Mm. Yeah, but now that if you if you look at his trajectory, it's only recently, the last eighteen months, he's been on the PGA Tour playing some slightly more challenging uh, setups and scoring conditions versus the uh, yeah. KFT, where it's just birdie fest all the time. So he came from a situation where his results are only going to be on birdie fest golf courses or birdie fest events to the PGA Tour, where you're now seeing a few events where the scoring is a bit more challenging. So I think he's demonstrating that quite well, that he, he has the game to be able to, to to compete on those weeks where it's a little bit more scoring challenging. Yeah. I think that's very well said. I mean, he's in the top 50 in the world now, isn't he? So he can basically pick and choose exactly where he wants to play. So, yeah, he's playing better, harder golf courses and, and the best tournaments available. Uh, he was tenth for tee to green last time out at Southern Hills. So yeah, not, what price have you got on Seamus? Uh, just I just grabbed on the exchange for now eighty five. Hmm. So I'm gonna figure. I'm gonna figure out. I would find that um, I panic bet when I'm doing the podcast. So you guys are like, oh, he sounds good. Oh, he sounds good. <laughs> so, <laughs> what happens is I wait until like Tuesday afternoon or evening going, oh God, I kind of have a bit of remorse about backing that one. Or I should have waited until all of the, uh, let's say, different extended places. You're starting to see a few of the bookies do these like multiple place offerings, 8, 10, 12. And yeah. there, there's, you know, you can, if you're looking around, you can see some nice kind of combos there that get you the extended places without compromising too much on the price. So um i've kind of both let let things go too early on tuesday morning so i've now just said right i'll do the exchange and we'll do the bookie bets a little bit later on this evening talking of new developments paul and different you know choosing how many places you want which is something you wanted to quickly bring up because i know you did a piece of work about this last week boil sports and their their new innovation in terms of shot tracker yeah well they've really gone to town with their um in play market and in play offering full stop ball sports and this has been launched over the last week or so or a couple of weeks uh, so yes you've got their their 3d shot tracking um similar to what's on um on bet365 similar to what they've put on the european tour website now as well although with the european tour website it updates at the end of each hole whereas on boils and on uh, bet365 it updates during the course of the hole as well so um you know we were always in the dark weren't we with the dp world tour as to, uh, to what was happening from hole to hole but you've got that now live on on ball sports they've also got live streaming on the par threes um loads of in-play markets as well and i flicked through some of them and i've written a few if you if you go through my preview this week 
Um, I've, I've just mentioned a few of the markets they've got, but um, you've got things like in play, two or three ball winners, um, next hole winner as well, a player score per hole, number of putts per hole. Uh, to hit the green in regulation, uh, proximity to hold, there's loads and loads of different markets that you can get involved in um, when it goes to in-play on Thursday. So, yeah, if, you, if you're curious, take a look on Thursday and see what's, um, mm. see what's available. But, yeah, I, it's the first time I've seen markets like to hit a green in regulation or, um, you know, even player score per hole. You and I, all of us have watched and observed golf where we've seen a player who's tilting and is, you know, it, it, you can see they're going to go backwards um, for whatever reason. Something's gone mentally. They've... You know they've had a bad hole or a bad string of holes, and so they're just on the slide. You know, um, without picking Harold Varner out, you could see exactly that kind of uh, that <laughs> that slide on Sunday. Um, you know, and player score per hole as a, as a market when you've got that kind of, when you've eyeballed that kind of scenario could be a, a real market to get involved in. So, uh, so yeah, take a look. There's absolute stacks of um, stacks of options on there now. They're really gone to town, as I say. Spot the combustible golfer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it could be a lot. It could be boomer bust. Um, you know, catching let's say Tyrrell Hatton in that situation because Tyrrell can either go. It, it is is one of two extremes. He'll never just like stay at the score he's at after he's had a, a mental, a volcano moment. He'll either mm-hmm. go rip off a few birdies or it'll go. Um, it become even more entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah, but uh, even simple things like you know a, a player will miss a a three foot of a birdie on a hole and um, you know, they'll go to the next hole and make a bogey because mentally they're just they're kind of frazzled from that, uh, you know, the previous hole. It's yeah. And you can so now it, start, you can now start betting on that as you're watching the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. It's mm, um, interesting yeah, opportunities. I think to, to, you know, if, if you're an avid in play watcher um, and uh, you know you keep on top of these things, then there might be some opportunities there. So yeah, so take a look, see, see what you see what you guys think. Um, should we move on to the Porsche? What yeah, great segue. Let's, um, let's talk yeah, Porsche. The Porsche European Open. Yeah, we're turning to the Green Eagle Golf Courses in Hamburg um, for the fifth consecutive time. So we've got various results for this historically. If you're looking through the stats on the site this week. Um, we used to play this event, the European Open in UK and Ireland, back in the day. It moved to Germany in 2015 on a different course. So from 2017 onwards is what you really want to be looking at in terms of course form this week. Uh, 27 through 20, 20, sorry, 2017 through 2019, no event in 2020 due to COVID. And then, of course, last year. Uh, decent enough field. Um, Tommy Fleetwood's flown over for this. He headlines at around 12 to 1. And of course, Tommy finished fifth at the USPGA just a couple of weeks ago. So um, he's quite rightly the favourite, I'd say. Uh, Jordan Smith, 25 to 1. Um, he's a winner here on this course. Bob McIntyre, 25s. Adrian Moronk. There's also a bit of 25s available with Moronk. Generally, his 20 generally is the second favourite for with most books. Uh, Rasmus Hogard, 28s. Pablo Larathabel, twice a winner recently, 33s. Uh, then new into the likes of Matt Wallace, Adrian Aus. Last week's winner, Victor Perez at 35s. Diorbjorn Olsen, 40s. Defending champion Marcus Armitage, 45 to 1, the bullet. 50 to 1 bar those nine players. So um, you don't have to get very deep down into the field before you're into the 50 to 1s and above for this week, which is uh, which is a nice position to be in as a punter, I think. 
Uh, particularly when you've got eight places each way, Boyles are offering eight. Uh, Coral and Labrooks are also offering eight places each way with some decent odds this week. So do check out their prices before you place your bets. Um, yeah, we talked about the in-play market, so I won't go through that again. On to the course, though. The um, Green Eagle Golf Courses, it's a collection of 42 holes in total on the outskirts of Hamburg in the Lunaberger Heide. Oh, very good. Finest, my finest German. Whoa. Well done, Paul. Um, yeah, Outstanding that's pronunciation. Taking me all the way back to my GCSE German. There. Uh, we're playing the North Course this week. This week, it's a well. It's listed currently as a seven thousand six hundred three yard par seventy two. I put a picture on the preview. There's water everywhere. There's water on seventeen holes. There's a little bit of width. The greens are quite big, so um, I, a lot of it is kind of for aesthetic purposes um but if you if you're wild off the tee if you're wild with your approaches you are going to find a watery grave actually it's quite tough um only three holes in total played under par last year um there's five par fives as well and four of them come on the back nine so it's a kind of quirky kind of course the 16th hole is a par five 705 yards long that one um, not many times do we find one that's over 700 yards on either of the tours. So another one for the players to get their teeth into this week. There's a bit of weather on Wednesday. There's a weak weather front that's supposed to be moving through um, just before the events. Uh, it may deposit a little bit of rain. After that, a little bit of breeze on Thursday and then the winds really die down. The temperature increases. The weekend's going to be beautiful over there by the looks of it. Up to 25 degrees sunshine, very little wind. So <clears throat> if you can navigate your way through Thursday, which may be a bit trickier, a bit softer, um, a little bit breezier. After that, it's going to be uh, it's going to be just plain sailing from there on, I think. Uh, previous winners, 2015, this is a different course, of course. Um, Tong Chai Jai D was 55 to 1. 2016 was Alex Levy at 45 to 1. Then we moved to Green Eagle. Jordan Smith won here in 2017 at 40 to 1. Richard McAvoy won at 125 to 1 in 2018. Paul Casey flew over, took the title in 2019 at 7 to 1. No event in 2020, as we said. 2021 last year, the bullet, Marcus Armitage won in a 54-hole affair at 80-1. to 1. That was reduced due to COVID rather than any weather issues last year. I guess if you look at Smith, you look at Casey, you look at Armitage, you get a few clues about the kind of player that probably goes well here. High greens and regulations, ideal for this, uh, for this. Strong drivers. I mean, Richard McAvoy is the one that kind of throws a... Uh, yeah, a, a bit of uncertainty into it because he's shorter off the tee, but uh, still, still pretty neat and tidy. Um, when you're talking a seven thousand six hundred yard course, I think a little bit of um, power won't hurt. Certainly, power combined with accuracy, the total driving, and the older, and the old stats would be a good one to look at. Um, if you look at the strokes gain stats from last year, and we've got a full set from last year, um, Armitage was eighth for strokes gain tee to green. In second place, Thomas Detchew was third for strokes gained tee to green. Eduardo Bolinari was first for strokes gained tee to green. Matthew Southgate was sixth for strokes gained tee to green. And Darius Van Drill, who was also in a tie for second, was 11th for strokes gained tee to green. So all of those players were excellent from tee to green on the week. Um, and I think that's really your blueprint that you need to be looking for. Players who are hitting 
the ball well from tee to green right now and uh, who can put it out there and keep it on the fairway ideally to give themselves some chances of these uh, these longer holes particularly the long par fives uh, the only other thing I've really picked out on this is if you look at the incoming form of the winners um, in Germany since it moved to Germany in 2015 Tong Chai Jai finished 5th in his previous start Alex Levy finished 7th on his previous start McAvoy had won on his previous start on the Challenge Tour Casey had finished third at Eastlake, well, third in terms of 72-hole scoring at Eastlake in his previous start. Marcus Armitage had finished eighth in his previous start. So if you count in, that's five out of six players had finished inside the top eight on their previous start. So some incoming form um, coming into this has got to be a good starting point, I think. Even Jordan Smith is the one that breaks the mould there. Um, he hadn't missed a cut for seven events on the trot, so was playing some nice, consistent stuff. Didn't have the top 10, but had been throwing in some top 20s or thereabouts in his previous starts as well. Um, I guess the only other thing to say, uh, winning score, 14 under, 13 under, 11 under. Last year, 54 holes, 8 under. The scoring doesn't get away here. Even with five par fives, it's not a pushover. There's a couple of short par fours as well. It's a relatively stringent test. And um, I, I guess with some decent weather over the weekend, we might see it pushing the top end of that. But I wouldn't expect it to get super low. I wouldn't expect you to be getting into the 20s this this week under par. Um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of where we are. I've packed, I've packed five altogether. I think at the top, we need someone who's gone, going to be able to take on Tommy Fleetwood because... Yeah, Fleetwood's the quite rightly the favourite. You look at some of his finishes this season. 22nd at the Players, 14th at Augusta. Fifth, uh, as I mentioned, at Southern Hills a couple of weeks ago. thing is, he's jetting straight in from Colonial. He finished 35th there last week, I think, in the end. And um, does he really want to be doing this? He's coming over to Germany for one week, then he's got to fly back and get himself prepped for the US Open. It's, it seems a strange... Um, uh, scheduling for for me, but yeah, he's here. He's uh, he's playing, so um, he's going to. It's amazing what a check from Porsche or a new Porsche will do to to change his schedule, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah perhaps he fancies it. I mean, the course should suit him, and the, the, there's no there's no two ways about that. I I just wonder if you look at his last four DP World Tour events: thirteenth uh, at the Dubai Championship back in, at the end of last year, twenty seventh the week after at the DP World Tour Championship. Then he started the year this year, 48th in Abu Dhabi, 12th in Dubai Desert Classic. So for a 12 to 1 shot, um, you know, do, do, could you play him each way, potentially, if you put most of your eggs in that basket or win only? And you know, he's not he's not troubling the top 10 over his last four starts on the DP World Tour. I, I, I'm just not overly convinced at such a short price. I've got a couple of players towards the top who I think can take him on. Um, Rasmus Hogard's my first pick, 28 to 1. And um, I still do look, we talked a bit about total driving. I still do look at these traditional stats um, when I'm doing my research, particularly on the DP World Tour. I think it's a little bit more relevant um, just to see if there's any clues, really. And if you look at his total driving, Rasmus Hogard, after, over the last four events, he's trending nicely. 62nd, 47th, 13th, 8th. So it's all going in the right direction. First and sixth for Greens and Megulation over his last two starts. Now, if you translate that to strokes gained, Second and 14th for strokes gained approach, um, and 7th and 13th for strokes gained tee to green over his last two starts. That was at the Belfry and last week in Holland. 
he was 10th overall last week in the end and he doubled the 72nd hole another one who found a watery grave on the 72nd but could have been much better than that um, and I think a fourth title this week is a distinct, distinct possibility I think he suits this um, really quite well I think he'll, he'll, he'll go well another one I think will go well is Matt Wallace now I picked Matt up early doors at 40-1 to 1. there's still 35-1 to 1 out there and I think on a player of Wallace's quality Mm. Um, in a field that when you take Tommy Fleetwood away is just bog standard DP World Tour I think he's well worth a punt and he was another eye catcher last week I mean if you look again he's one of these players who's gone over to the States and just really struggled he went over to the States after um, after those two Middle East Rolex events at the start of the year kind of middling finishes 68th and 35th in Abu Dhabi and Dubai Went over to the States, missed nine out of ten cuts, made the cut in Mexico. That was the only bright spot. And even so, I think he finished 67th or something like that, further down the list. Um, Yet, last week, he returns to Europe, instantly contends. He was the co-leader after 54 holes last week. He shot a 72 in the final round, um, finished in a tie for fifth in the end. But no disgrace in that, having missed nine out of his previous ten cuts. Long game looked really good. Seventh for strokes gain approach. Eighth for strokes gain tee to green. Last two visits to Germany. Won the BMW International. Um, in 2018, he was third when he was defending there the following year. Clearly likes playing in Germany. I put, put everything together. I think Wallace is a punt this week. Uh, three longer prices. Christopher Broberg. Another one who caught the eye last week. 125 to 1 I got with Broberg. Um, 14th last week when he was defending in... Um, uh, in Holland, that was after about two months off as well. And if you go back historically to look at uh, Marcus Armitage, the bullet before he won last year, his previous start, he had led the field for greens and regulation on his previous start the previous week. That's exactly what Broberg did last week. We know he's a strong tee to green player. Um, led the field for greens and regulation in Holland. Um, third for strokes gain tee off tee, uh, strokes gain off the tee. Um, seventh for strokes gain tee to green. I think he could be ready to win again and uh, a juicy 125 to 1 price point. And a couple of Germans to finish. Marcel Schneider, I got him at 80 to 1. He opened at 100s and got him at 80s, um, typically 70 to 1, 66 to 1. I think that's about right because this is a guy who's been real hot property so far in the last few weeks. 13th at the Catalonia Championship, 7th at the Sudal Open, 4th at the Dutch Open. 7th and 6th for strokes gain approach over his last two outings. 5th and 11th for strokes gain tee to green over those two two outings as well. 7th for strokes gain putting. It's all really coming together for, for Schneider. 7th here last year. I, I, when you put all of the traditional current form and course form uh, stats together, he just sticks out like a beacon. Three wins on the Challenge Tour, so he can get over the line. Two of them came last year. I think... He's the kind of player that may well be able to uh, contend and potentially win his first DP World Tour title on the um, on the home soil, effectively. Um, finally, a bit more longer shot. Uh, Nick Bacham, B-A-C-H-E-M. I've probably completely mullered that uh, that pronunciation after doing so well with the the, the description of the uh, location outside of Hamburg. Um, Nick Bacon, young German, his rise reminds me very much of Matt Wallace, actually, And before he broke through and won at the Open to Portugal back in, uh, was it 2017, 2018, whenever it was. 
Only 22, the lad. Um, he won on the pro, pro golf tour as an amateur back in 2020. He's got a couple of more wins since. He's turned pro now. Last four starts on the Challenge Tour, 20th, 3rd, 11th and 5th. Uh, finding his feet very rapidly on the Challenge Tour. One of these players who I think could step up um, very quickly and very readily. Now, if you look at that third place finish, that was co-sanctioned with the Sunshine Tour. And on the Sunshine Tour now, they've started to publish some uh, some more extensive stats. So we have got some uh, strokes gain stats out of that. Uh, he was first for strokes gain off the tee that week. He was first for strokes gain tee to green that week. 11th for total driving. That seems to be a very strong fit for Green Eagle golf courses. So oh, that's a bit of a leap of faith. Um, 300 to 1 I got with eight places yesterday. There's still 250s out there. And I think he's worth a small punt at that price. Uh, so just to summarise then, Nick Bacon, um, Marcel Schneider, Christopher Broberg, Matt Wallace, and at the top, Rasmus Hogard. You having a play in uh, Europe this week, Barry? Yeah, I backed two last week. I think I'm just going to stick with them again. At Hurley Long and Richard Mansell, um, both got mm. pretty close to the play the places last week. Um, so I'm just going to hang on in there. They both hit the ball plenty yeah. long off the tee, which should help. Um, quite significantly around here I'd hope and yeah nothing further to add really yep no patience can always uh, pay off in this game as we were acutely reminded every time we don't keep patience with the player and he does well the following week you had a look at this at all Steve? I have I'm going to go for Tommy Fleetwood yeah you could put all your eggs in one basket and just go Fleetwood each way and um you know, if, if you can get uh, extended places at 12 to 1, there's a very good chance you'll get um, a place, if not a win, out of it. I thought the performance he put in at the PGA Championship was quite worthy of note. And especially the way he finished, he was you could see he was, there was a bit of bounce in his stride and he was high-fiving the caddy and... I think they could tell that they were starting to make some progress because he's been in such a slump. And then 35th last week, I know he was in the top 10 for scoring on Sunday before jumping on the private jet. Yeah. Um, but I just look, Victor Hovland, 13-2 to when he won the BMW Championship or the BMW International Open last year on the DP World Tour. He'd withdrawn the week before at the US Open. Uh, Paul Casey, 7-1 to one winner of this. He'd finished third at the Tour Championship on his previous outing. And Henrik Stenson, you go right back, uh, was it 20, uh, 2015 or 2016 he won the BMW International Open? 10-1. Yeah. to, one, 10 to one. He'd withdrawn the week before at the US Open. So you get these players, they just come across. PJ Tour is such a step above. I also saw with Fleetwood, I think he was eighth here a couple of years ago. So he, he's got that previous kind of top 10 in Germany. There's lot, lots to like. I, yeah. So yeah, why not? I'll just have a win-only bet on Tommy, I think, just to cover him off for the podcast. You, you'd expect to see him in the mix, wouldn't you? You'd expect to see he's a big him gap. there or thereabouts. Whether he converts, whether he, whether he gets over the line, I, I, I just couldn't go there. But yeah, I... I 
there's, there's no valid reason for me to put anyone off if they fancy that. And uh, is there anything that puts you off Arnous as well? Because wasn't he in the top ten at the PGA the other week, or he was close to the top ten, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, only his course form. But again, do how much do how much can and should you put into that? We we know with these DP World Tour players, they're massively inconsistent. The reason they're playing this tour primarily is because they're not playing the PGA Tour because they're not he was, he was good 30th, and consistent enough. He was 30th at the PGA. He was 17th going into Sunday. I knew I saw him, saw him yeah. near the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, the one I do like, the one I I think Paul um, Matt Wallace is clearly a cut above that price. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, might should, dabble, I might have a little dabble on Wallace and a win only on uh, Tommy. Mm. Yes. Yeah, fingers crossed he can uh, keep the momentum going from last week. That finish that Tommy had at the PGA is kind of reminiscent of that um, final day 63 he had at Shinnecock Hills in the US Open. Just that mm. kind of vibe, um, which was kind of, what, 2018 was probably his last fully good year, wasn't it? I mean, he's mm. been a bit bit messy since then, so hopefully it's a turning point because uh, he's, he's great to watch when he's in flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, massively likeable as well. You wouldn't begrudge mm. him a win anywhere, would you? No, no, not at what, all. What price would you take on Tommy Fleetwood for the US Open, Barry? Two weeks away. He's currently 66 to 1 with Coral. Six places each way, 50 odds on their anti post. I don't think that's going to be there for long. Not when he wins this week, is that it, Steve? Yeah. So you're getting on. Is this, <laughs> well, is I would this assume the... that even if he has a good start, that 66 to 1 will disappear on Thursday. Mm. This mm. could be the first golf betting system anti post majors bet of the year. The yeah, it's it's tempting, been... isn't it? 66 to 1 on Tommy Fleetwood. It has to be said for a US Open. He's available at Ladbrooks and with Coral, but you get six places with Coral. Ladbrooks, five. Hmm. Tempting. His last, his last, as, soon his last as, I, as soon as I saw him, as soon as I saw him doing what he did at the PGA Championship, your your US Open receptors just start. <laughs> you start feeling it, Tommy at the US Open. Um, his last three US Open, Steve. Just just in case you get carried away, T sixty five, cut T fifty. What about the ones prior? Second and fourth. <laughs> yeah. It's a long time ago. Yeah, it is, yeah. but he's making progress. You can see that. Yeah. Our Tom is on the way back, I think. I think that's I, us, chaps. Sure. Is that us? I'm is not, that us for the podcast? Yeah. Or am I stopping you in full form? What, what no, you I was say? just saying, I'm not, I'm not sure how analogous uh, the country club is to Shinnecock Hills. Mm, it looks it looks a sterny one, yeah. I, a lot of it will depend on the weather, won't it, and the wind. I think Do you know Tommy, what, Steve? For, Tommy in like a windswept US Open, firm, fast, yeah. A bit like, the, I mean, that's what the PGA was effectively, wasn't it? For the sake of FOMO, just go just go grab the 66s and then, you're, then it's done and dealt with. I think so. I think so. You can just put that one down to experience. <laughs> right, thank you for your time, chaps. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, boys. Good luck, lads. Best, best of luck, Barry. Um, 
Best of luck to the listeners. We'll be back next week for the RBC Canadian Open. And what have you got in the European... Oh, sorry, DP World Tour, Paul. Yeah, it's the Scandinavian mix next week. Um, we I, I will cover it. Whether we'll have markets for the podcast or not, I'm not convinced because they mm. didn't tend to come out until kind of midday Tuesday last year looking at the history. Um, or not enough of the markets anyway because um, it's one of these mixed men and women events. Yeah. So um, it... We'll we'll have a view for the podcast whether the physical preview and final picks are out um, remains to be seen. But uh, cool, we'll we'll fashion something together. Lovely. All right, thank you for your time this week, chaps. We'll be back next week. See you soon. Cheers. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf